What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Self-Made Web Designer Podcast. This week's episode is fantastic. We have James Nwobu. I actually work with him, and James is a genius when it comes to branding and marketing. And I don't know if you've had the situation where a client comes to you and they say they need a certain thing. And so then you start working on that thing. And then halfway into it, you realize the client needs something completely different or we need to pivot a little bit and they need to refocus because what is actually best for them is different than what they originally thought they needed. And the crazy thing about that is that it can all be avoided if you have conversations with them at the beginning, if you ask the right questions about what their brand is, who they're trying to attract, what the ideal customer avatar is, the user persona that they are going after. And it takes a little bit of practice to understand those ideas and ask the right questions but James is going to take us through all of that stuff. He's gonna define what branding is, he's gonna define what a user persona is, and how that can help you help your web clients out in a greater way that they talk to their friends about you, that they are super satisfied with the project, that you build them all as a result of understanding marketing, branding, and user persona in a greater degree. I can't wait for you to hear what James has to say about all of those things. But before we dive in, have you subscribed to the podcast? Have you left a rating and a comment? It would mean the world to me and it will help other people out trying to find this podcast. So do something good for your fellow neighbor, for your fellow web designer, and leave a comment, share this with somebody. And I know that they will love it, that other people will benefit from it too. Without further ado, before I say anything else, are you ready for Mr. James Nwobu? Here we go. Well, James, thank you so much for being on the Self-Made Web Designer Podcast. So good to have you, bro. What up, though? Hey, so tell us a little bit about yourself, as much or as little as you'd like to share with the audience. Generally, I I typically say I'm an independent consultant and uh, creative director. I also work in brand development for a software company, which is Showit, as you know. Ultimately, I I, I live in the marketplace trying to help people sort of position themselves in the marketplace and then sort of create the visual package to deliver that so that people can relate with them uh, in a way that makes sense. And you've kind of had somewhat of a colorful journey when it comes to landing where you are now. And I, I know that because I've sat next to you and we've had great conversations about how you got to be where you are. But I think it, the audience would really benefit from hearing kind of the ups and downs of your career that led you to being able to work next to what is now what you consider the best coworker you've ever had in your life, which, you know, exactly. I, I mean, maybe that's me. Maybe it's maybe it's Jed. Maybe it's somebody else. I don't know. So talk a little bit about that. I don't have a background specifically in marketing. I didn't go to school for marketing and Man, in a lot of ways, I don't know if people should. Funny enough, though, I've taught marketing at a college course. And, you know, it's funny how things like that happen, having taught marketing at the college level. But so I I went to school for exercise science because I've been an athlete all my life. So 
I initially went to become an engineer and, and decided that that wasn't uh, quite for me. And so when I didn't really have much leadership or I didn't have a mentor when I was young, so I was kind of like winging college a little bit. And so when I thought, man, what do I what do I want to spend my time in college learning? The best thing I could think of was what I just cared a lot about, which was athletics. So I was like, well, let me get a degree that's associated with athletics and let me go do that with the intention that maybe I'll work with athletes one day. While I did that, this is going to be a pretty long story, but I'll, I'll get there. So you'll hear the the weaves, the in and outs of it. So I I got the exercise science degree and then, you know, I came, I grew up in a Christian home and found myself kind of looking for that community and eventually found myself connected with somebody up in Memphis. And while I was up there, we I learned about a program that was in Dallas, Texas, in the Dallas, in the DFW area. And that program led me to go to seminary. And so seminary was the place where my entire world opened up. So that was 2010. And I had just picked up photography maybe three years before that. I realized early because of someone that I met at one of my friend's weddings that you could actually make a career out of it. And I didn't quite know how, but I was already drawn to that sort of lifestyle look. And so I remember some of the very first images I took was that sort of like backlit with like a pretty girl with big hair, you know, and that was the look that I wanted. I always appreciated those kind of images. I had already found myself before then drawn to those kind of images. And so my favorite photographers were always guys who could capture life as it actually was, which will probably connect here in the end. But so when I went to seminary, it was a similar thing and understanding theology as really the way God relates with the world and how we should understand that is really what made me interested in just about everything that there is to do with humans and the way they interact, the way they relate with one another, the things that resonate with them, how we communicate. You know, and obviously my intention was to in some way have presence in that space so I could sort of better introduce sort of these concepts about God to those I would meet in any specific sphere. So at the end of my seminary career, Towards the end, I was working sort of part-time in the wireless business. So I worked for AT&T selling cell phones. And a friend of mine started a music company in 2009. So a year before I actually went into seminary, but I wasn't really involved back then. After I got into seminary, that's about a couple of years have gone by. I find an artist and I introduce him to this friend of mine who's running the company. That artist ends up really transforming really the success, I can't say the success because they had a lot of relationships, but in regards to like the sound that they were able to produce, because he was an incredible vocalist and the other guy that they had was a rapper and the way those two were able to mesh together on their first sort of inaugural album out of that record company was such a big deal. And so that was about 2012. And that year is when I started getting involved with the record label, ended up going full-time with them in 2013. And that was where I could put, it was the place where I first saw my theology and my creativity cut like really meet. And so going through that entire space, I was there from 2013 to about 2016 uh, is where I really cut my teeth in what it took to bring anything to market. Now all the language I learned a bit later after reading a bunch of books, but at that time at the record company, I traveled overseas. I got to spend a week in Paris on their dime. They flew me and another artist out there to spend time with them. And it's just a great learning experience, road managing on the road, creating sort of the visual language for each individual artist because they were all different. 
And so the photography of one album would be different from, from the photography and the language and even the press releases for all the other albums. And so working in music really gave me a really broad exposure to what marketing was and what bringing something to market looked like. And then as I, you know, you move forward, you keep learning. And I think the way, again, for me, theology informed everything that I did in the marketplace. So it was like, man, how do I take this, what I believe is a universal truth and communicate that in a way that resonates with people, whether I'm in music or whether it's with photography or otherwise. So 2016 streaming made it hard to keep us independent. And so I had to find some other things. I did some freelance PR and then I worked for a creative agency of sorts that designed curriculums for car manufacturers. And so if you've seen the new Camrys or the Volkswagen Atlas or cars like that, the Alfa Romeo, Julia, those are a few of the projects that I got to work on. So we actually would design the training experiences that salespeople would go through before the car would come out to launch so that they could sell it. So we we were people who trained other trainers um, who then trained salespeople to sell these cars. And so I did that for about a year and a half. And then after leaving that company, went full-time as a photographer and got to shoot at a major convention up the gate, really, just because a, a friend with, a friend happened to be there doing something with UGG. Met Gary Vee, met a bunch of people there, and that was really what kind of took off the independent photography career for a little bit. Did that for a while, and then, you know, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I connected with Todd again, and we had gone to WPPI, shot with the team a bit, and I think that experience... I guess left a positive impression. I think a couple years later, he approached me and said, hey, they needed some help on the marketing end. And some people had heard my name or I guess my name came up in a conversation and, you know, certain people were excited about it. And so he invited me to come join. And I came to United, shot that, had more conversations. And then I got here. You know, I I know you kind of mentioned you feel like that story's super long. And so you didn't want to share the the whole extent of it. But but I think it's good because I think that's a lot like most people out there, they feel like their journey in their career, or even as like an entrepreneur, and and, you know, this is self made web designer podcast. And so we're talking to web designers, and the, the path is never clear as to what direction you should take. And most of the time you try something out, it works for a little bit, but maybe it doesn't work 100%. Or then, like your story, something kind of forces you in a direction that you really hadn't anticipated taking. And that's the same for my story. So talk a little bit about that decision-making process for you. What, what was it that um, caused you to, to keep searching? Or what, what was a part of your decision-making when it came to what your life would look like at this point in time? I mentioned how seminary in a lot of ways, understanding what theology was and how to do it helped me see the world in a lot of different ways. But I had a professor of mine, Dr. James Allman, who used to always quote his favorite professor. So here we go. But one of the things that he said that his professor used to tell him was have a mission statement for your life. And so when every, whenever an opportunity uh, was presented to you, say yes to everything that aligned with that mission statement and no to everything that didn't. That's a little harder to do in practice sometimes because, you know, when you're kind of out on your own and you're trying to make money and you're trying to figure out the whole self-employment, entrepreneurial, self-independence thing, you'll take what you want to take just, you know, so you can have enough money to meet your obligations. But ultimately, that was it. I said yes to a lot of things. 
Uh, and a lot of those things I didn't really want to do, but I figured if it allowed me to use this skill set, use this talent. So one of my favorite passages in the scriptures is the story about the talents. And so it goes that a manager uh, is leaving his house, a master is leaving his house, and the men who are left to manage his house are all given talents. And, you know, sometimes in like biblical scholarship, they get into all these like weird interpretations of what that stuff means. But at the end of the day, a, a talent was still some unit of value, period. It was just a measure of value. Now, what it was worth doesn't matter. But even still now, when I thought about, I go, oh, that really makes no difference. Skills are a unit of value. You know, whether that's actual money or he's giving you like he's, I mean, then it was probably actual money. But the instruction was, hey, go turn a profit. And when he came back, the managers that were left who received the larger rewards were all those who went and just did something to multiply their talents. And so in my mind, I was always there. How can I always continue to leverage these talents that I feel like I have that are sort of undeniable? You can always trace back in your life those things that people have said, man, you're uniquely good at this. Like, you're just good at this. I don't mean certain things like, you know, oh, you're you, you're you able to connect words in a certain way or, you know, hey, man, you're real quick on your feet or you're really witty or you're really good with your hands or, man, you draw better than anybody else I've seen. Everybody's got these sort of unique ways that are these unique talents that they are just good at more than typically the people near them. So if it allowed me to exercise that talent and it got me some experience to understand what business was like, whether that doing business myself and figuring out how am I going to invoice this? How am I going to price it? Et cetera, et cetera. Or if it just allowed me to keep clicking that button and figuring out, okay, I'm going to, I can edit these. How fast can I edit these? What do they want? What are expectations? How do I set expectations? You know, and having those conversations, I just said yes to just as many things as I could. And even in cases where everything didn't fit, I figured even my presence in the room would teach me something. So yeah, yeah. Um, really what governed my decision-making in that process. I had a guest on the show named Jessica Gaddis, who spent a little bit of time in journalism and was able to use her experience as a journalist to transition and work for companies like Netflix and, and Twitter as a UX designer, you know, and so having those experiences really gives you this unique set of, uh, of skills to be able to stand out amongst all these other people who are going for the very same jobs. So that, that's really cool. Let, let's talk a little bit about branding because you're somewhat of an expert in this. You've literally been a professor of branding and marketing. So talk a little bit about that because I think there's a lot of misconception around that. And web designers and UX designers, we kind of touch the edges of branding, but don't necessarily, I think, dive into it as much as someone who's focused on marketing would. I think... It's it's really interesting. The the first, like the entry point into most things is identity. Branding is simply sort of a projection or an extension of that. And to the degree that you want to extend yourself to other people, that's marketing. And the platform where all that happens is the market. So in a sense for branding at any point in time when a web designer or anyone is creating something where an individual or a company is trying to make an impression. They're trying to introduce themselves. The thing that's trying to be created to project out to the market, that is the brand. And the first impression that it leaves, once it leaves that impression, then 
the behaviors and the expectations have to be all consistent with that initial impression that they were trying to set, which is why it's so important for individuals, communities, groups, whoever, corporations to be very, very clear about who they are. I think the two biggest problems for most companies is that they either forget who they are, don't know who they are, or they forget who they're talking to. And so marketing is really just a relationship between, you know, between two different parties. Somebody has something that they believe is going to be valuable to someone else, and they want to make that known. That's all marketing is. Branding is just simply the, the identity, the source from which all that stuff comes and what people think about that. Before anybody says anything, like, you know, a brand... You don't really create a brand unless you have an identity first. And I think companies that that don't think about identity and just jump into creating some sort of idea or some sort of, you know, quote unquote brand are the ones who always keep flip-flopping and end up doing these things in a market that are inconsistent and then find themselves in this sort of vicious cycle of often having to recreate themselves versus over time, their identity just becomes more and more clear. In the beginning, you might have a minimum viable product, but 10 years from now, when people look at that company, they can say, oh, well, we saw this 10 years ago. Now it's just become a little bit more clear. It's maybe more developed, but it's still in essence the same thing. So when it comes to branding, I always think identity first. Brand is the projection, the extension of that when you start trying to introduce yourself to other people. Branding is somewhat of a normal concept when it comes to, you know, marketing, but it's always been for me a little difficult to fully grasp because it's very ethereal. And so what does that look like specifically to like a web designer? Like how should branding influence the things that we are designing for the clients that we have? Or even, you know, most of the time a client will come to me and they've not even really developed their brand a ton. And so they're actually looking to me to not only build them a website, but help them to brand themselves, you know, really in my mind touches every single element of, of design. So talk a little bit about that. Like what would your encouragement to be to the web designer out there? Who's like, how do I incorporate branding or how do I encourage my clients to have that as a part of what they're thinking? Yeah. One, I would tell all of you to charge more because in every situation, when companies come to you and say, hey, we want you to develop a website for us, but we haven't really filled out our, our brand, there are so many questions in that. And all the questions that you have to think through and ask them are questions about who they are as a business. The website is simply, again, it's the window. People want a window shop and they go to the website to do that. But the stuff that you put on the windows, again, is an extension of the identity of that company. If that company does not have a sense of who they are, then you're not going to know what colors to put on that website. You're not going to know what typefaces to put on that website. You're just going to throw some stuff up there. It's going to be this long back and forth process because they're going to look at it and be like, "Ah, I, I don't really like that, but I don't know why. They don't know why because there is this sense in them that they understand is who they are. We have something. We've been doing something, but but no one yet has done the hard work of teasing out all of those Um, attributes to say, who are you? What are you trying to do? Why do you exist? Who are you trying to talk to? Why? What's the problem you're trying to solve? What's the mission? What are your goals? How do you want to see the world change? Why does all that matter so much to you? What happened? What's your story? What's the story of the person who you feel whose problem you're trying to solve? And when you meet them, what is that interaction going to look like? You start to think about an actual story, an actual relationship, actual people, That's what branding and marketing is really all about. Business is a lot about relationships. The problem is turn business into ideas. And because we've turned business into ideas, 
We've turned people into ideas. We turn people into ideas, then they're all just commodities, all to serve the bottom line. You can't serve both God and mammon. That's what happens when you turn people into ideas versus thinking about them as actual people. And when you do that, you start to think through their story, which makes you think about your story. And that's where you get more emotional intelligence in marketing. And so you see certain companies who do that really, really well. And you go, man, how do they create such emotional, like emotionally like involved advertising. And I think it's because they have people in those organizations who actually think about others with very high levels of emotional intelligence. Yeah, I love that. And I love what Seth Godin had to say where he was talking to freelancers and said, good, good freelancers are not just people who sell good services. They're, they're people who tell good stories. And, and I think it's the same for marketing and for branding. So, you know, to dive in just a little bit deeper to branding before we go on to the next question, is branding the emotion that that someone feels when they think of a product or service from a company or or is it more than that? Yes, yes and no. I think branding has two sides to it. And, you know, I, I greatly respect there's a guy at the name Marty Neumeyer, who I think has coined uh, that definition that branding is the gut feeling that people get. Um, but in order for people to get a gut feeling, they have to see something first. And so branding hat, that's why I say, I think branding starts with identity. Seth Godin has a definition that says it's a set of expectations and relationships that cause people to choose you. Again, that is what the brand would be. And so I, I just think, I think they're both coming at what branding is from both sides. That's why I say branding, your brand is an extension from your identity. Nobody, nobody lives in another person's body. So there's no way that any person who does not live in your body can know you and all the nuance that make you who you are. Only you can do that. Not even your wife can do that because she does not live in your own body. She does not think the thoughts that you think. So customers can't ever really understand the the intimate nature of what makes a company a company. But what a company can do is put themselves out there in such a way that gives off a certain kind of impression. And good companies do that with integrity so that that impression, the gut feeling that everyone's talking about, then becomes the thing that everybody knows the company as. But again, it's it's both sides. The company has to put out an image that um, leads to certain kinds of expectations and makes certain promises. And then when the market encounters that, they then get a gut feeling from that. And then that gut feeling is what eventually becomes the brand and what the brand has to behave consistently within to either maintain or change or shift. It's just like leaving a first person in any situation. You walk into a room, the way you're dressed is going to leave an impression with people. Now, some people are going to think, okay, I understand I'm going to walk into a room with a bunch of people. What is the impression I want them to get? And so there's some control you can have over that impression that is that is branding. Branding is that process of thinking through all those things to say, when I walk in that room, I want people to get a sense that, you know, I'm I take myself seriously, but not too seriously. So I'm not going to be all buttoned up all the way to the top with the three piece suit and the shoes and super expensive and, you know, all that. So people feel like I'm some like, you know, Wall Street big banker. You can't talk to me. I'm not approachable. You know, I'm probably going to walk in with a hoodie and some, you know, distressed jeans, some sneakers you know, that might be quality. So people go like, oh, okay, well, not just anybody can get those things. You know, so I, I, I can take him seriously, but I don't have to take him so seriously because he is in a hoodie. So there's a degree to which you can control that 
based on the behaviors that you do. So yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. You mentioned like the idea of branding and the idea of, of having an identity and, and even how that connects to specific people. And, and we've, we've talked a lot about this in the projects that we've worked on together, but the idea of personas and, and who specifically we are building things for. And that's something it's not, it's not new to the UX designer world or the web designer world, you know, something, it's a term we're really familiar with, but I, I wonder if you could just kind of explain what a persona is and how that relates. Again, so let's say I'm walking into this, this room and there's, you know, based on any kind of like research I've done, I know that there are going to be certain people in that room. When I start to consider the, the individuals who I might encounter in those rooms, those are personas, customer profiles, avatars, whatever. Now, if I know that I have something very important that I want to accomplish in that room, then I'm going to spend even more time doing the research on the specific individuals that I need to make the biggest impression on because they hold the keys to the future success that I'm going to have beyond my life after that room. So if that room is the market, those people who I need to make the biggest impressions on are the specific personas that I'm trying to think through. Uh, and so it, speaking specifically just to the personas, that's, that's really it. It's when you start to think about someone specifically, you know, and that person's life, that person's demographic, that person's ambitions, um, et cetera, that's, you start to create this profile. That's the persona. Uh, and I, I, I think the better you serve, the better you can relate or, or do things that would resonate with that persona or that person, the better you achieve the outcomes that you set out from, you set out for. And I love what you said about a landing page that we were building together that when, when I think of personas, I need to think of one specific person that has a specific name. And so that's a question in my mind, how as, as a web designer, or if you've got a business or whatever, how specific should that persona get? I would say, try to be as specific as it takes to make you feel. If you're developing a persona and it feels detached, I don't think you've done enough work. When the when you can start to feel some emotions kind of rising up in you, I think you're then onto something. Because the the purpose of being specific isn't to isn't to segment. That's not actually it. The point is to is to actually personalize. Because what you want to do in any in any room, whenever you, you've heard of people working the room, people who are good at that understand the nature of the room, but understand the room is a group of individuals. Again, nobody is in each other's bodies, so it's, so everyone's had their own unique experiences. It's the it's the cross section of those experiences that create these kind of communities and subcultures from which things become mainstream. So if I'm a company or a web designer trying to communicate to a certain group. I need to understand that group's values. I need to understand that subcultural nature. I need to understand the experiences of the individuals that make up that subculture to get some sense of a cross-section of, okay, these kind of values seem to be common. But within that, you have this individual who's going to have this kind of bent. You have this individual who's going to have that kind of bent. Because again, men and women aren't the same. So that's already two specific personas that you may need to think about. Some of the desires that men are gonna have are gonna be different than the desires women are gonna have. And the ambitions are gonna be different. A woman, one day in her life, could possibly become pregnant. That will never happen for a man. And so when you start to think about, depending on the product or you know, the life cycle of, 
this customer or the life of the company or the product, if that's not taken into account, then you'll have women saying, hey, you, you're not you're not thinking about that. And women often feel that way because often it's just a default. People may not be doing it on purpose. Some people do. But the default is to say, oh, well, yeah, let's just think about it like this. And we don't think about those nuances that people go through in life. And so developing those personas, if you do it well enough, you start to think through more story. And when you think about story, then you start to think about, oh, ambitions. Oh, well, what's keeping them from those ambitions? And that's every single movie that we watch. Protagonist is trying to get to some, trying to accomplish some things. They get wrapped up in some, you know, like, I mean, protagonist tries to accomplish something, gets wrapped up in some antagonist, you know, uh, their own ambitions to sort of keep them from doing that. And then people are going to go, hey, can they achieve this thing? Meet a guide. Guide comes in, shows them how to accomplish their goals. Boom. And, you know, as we know in books that we've read, you know, companies want to be that guide or create the product that helps these or the tool that helps that protagonist, your customer, get to wherever they're trying to go. And you mentioned, you know, you've reached the amount of personas once you start to to feel something. And and just just to clarify, I th- I think that you're saying that you're not feeling something for the persona. You're you're feeling what they would potentially feel themselves in relationship to who you are and what you offer. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you're when you're thinking about that that person's life, the reason why you want to put a name to it is because let's say, you know, you could talk about a female who's 35 who graduated from a certain school, but if you could do that, but if you say, no, but Tina, Tina grew up in this neighborhood and she did this and then had to go through this just to get to college. And then when she got to college, dealt with these sort of things, but she never let go of this goal of becoming this, that might start to remind you of one of the friends you grew up with in high school, or maybe a cousin who's going through the same thing. That emotional connection that starts to happen, that's the intelligence that more people just in general need to operate out of. IQ is important. You need to you need to know the X's and O's, the ones and zeros. But the emotional intelligence are the soft edges in those paintings that actually give us the kind of depth that make that really immerse us kind of in those lives so that we create products that actually resonate, that actually people want. Yeah. So it's just going into detail enough to start feeling that. And then you go, okay, I think we've built this built this out enough. Let's let's work on another one. You don't you just need enough to represent the group that you're trying to reach. And I think a lot of people, when when they consider becoming a web designer or a UX designer or web developer or whatever, they 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 first think of all the hard skills that they need to develop. You know, they they think, okay, well, I need to learn uh, Sketch or or Photoshop or or whatever, or I need to learn HTML or CSS or whatever. But a, a lot of people neglect this idea of the soft skills, which is you know the EQ that you're talking about, which I feel like is is just as if not more important to someone's success in their career or their business. So, so let's say somebody's coming at it from just, you know, just a complete emotional quotient, EQ ignorance. Like, how do you develop that? How do you, how do you grow that? Cause I'm sure that as you've marketed and as you try to think of personas, like you've, you've kind of built this as a muscle, you know? So what types of things do you do to feel that emotion or to have that connectedness when it comes to who you're trying to market to or who you're trying to build a persona for? So there is a a verse that says, um, be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. And so I'm going to, in a sense, that slow to get angry is 
be slow to make snap judgments. That's probably the biggest thing that I would I would say people should work on. We come from worlds that have shaped our perception in, in large part. The neighborhood you come from, the high school you went to, all the classes you took, all the messaging that you've heard, it develops this, it develops your worldview. And you make a lot of assessments about the things that you see on TV, that you hear in music, that other people say, et cetera, et cetera. Um, to, develop, to develop more of an emotional uh, aptitude I would, I would refrain from making that judgment and I would refrain from speaking so soon. And I would just listen and observe and just take things as they are. Because oftentimes when we start to make these assessments, if it's different than what we have understood most of our lives, we, uh, we default to negative associations of that thing. That thing is not like what I've always known. Therefore, there's something negative about it that I need to resist. I think that's very, very unhealthy. Versus when you see something just Take it in for a little bit and, and give it time to process. If you feel within yourself some sense of resistance, question that. So there's a bit of introspection and go, why am I resisting that? Is that thing wrong? Is it bad or is it just different? And if it's just different, is there something in that that I can learn? And is there something in that that might actually be good and can broaden my own worldview and make it better, make it more colorful, make it more dynamic? And so that would be at least one thing that I would do is just kind of refrain from making snap judgments and refrain from like speaking and labeling things so soon and just listen really well and just take things in, just observe, just study a little bit, study culture, study multiple cultures. And that would probably be a, a next thing. Move beyond the culture that you know most of your life. If, if you look back at your life and it's been predominantly homogenous, then I would say, oh, I need to go see different things. Sometimes that might require travel to just say, hey, I, need, I just need to go see another part of the world. If all I have seen most of my life is American life, I would encourage go look at other life. If there are skills that you are learning, let's say you can't travel. We're in the midst of a pandemic. And so traveling isn't an option for a lot of people. If you're trying to become a UX or UI graphic, any kind of designer, web designer, then you might just broaden the teachers that you're learning from. And so you can find out different things about different cultures just based on the people who are teaching you the things that you know. And so always looking for that way to broaden yourself and learn different languages in the sense, when I say lift different languages, there are these like unwritten rules of just cultures uh, that you learn just from being around others. And so just trying to get yourself around others. And so everything around you isn't so homogenous. It helps sort of broaden that language so that when you start thinking about different personas, you might think, oh man, I remember hearing the story of someone who was affected by a thing that would have never affected me. And so now when I'm trying to build this product from a company that I'm not a part of, they just hired me to build this website for them to help communicate their product to a certain audience. The better I understand cultures as a whole, the better now I can create the kind of personas that would likely most resonate with this product and then help this company reach their goals. And then you get paid handsomely if you price it. And I love the idea that, you know, really it's as you're becoming a better person, you're becoming a better UX designer. You're becoming a better web designer. Like there's, it's not like I'm, I'm, I'm putting my web design person over here and my, my like interaction with people on a relational level over here. Like it's, it's all just mixed and intertwined. And, and I love, I love the way that, that you look at it. 
And, uh, you know, I, I wonder, you know, because I think a lot of people, especially web designers, especially freelance web designers, when they hop on a call with a potential client, they feel like they've got to have all the answers, you know, that, you know, before they've even done any work on the project, they need to have solutions in, in order to get the job. And and what ends up happening is that is that a, a lot of them miss it. And I've do, I've done this before, where where I come in guns blaze and I'm like, I know what you need. I, you know, if we do a, a, B, C, and they go, no, you missed it. And and so having having an attitude of I'm I'm going to go into it trying to learn from them rather than them trying to learn from me, will will always will always put you at the outset at a better position. And and at the same time, even even when it comes to like you know, figuring out what it is that a client might want for changes. And and you and I have worked on projects before and we just recently made a, a template for thumbnails for all of our videos, you know, and so we, we had to interact and, and you were like, hey, what if we did this? And, and we had, I had to ask questions and go, what did you mean by that? You know, so how have you developed that to 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 be more of a, a student and and never lose that like okay i'm going to be humble in this i'm going to try to learn i'm going to try to understand before i'm understood and 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 how have you used that for your own success in the midst of what you do at some point i i realized the importance of of asking good questions i think somewhere in life i might have believed the misconception that intelligence was demonstrated by how well you could answer questions. I believe the opposite now in that intelligence is often demonstrated by how well you can ask questions. Um, because often the questions that you ask really demonstrate how how well, kind of how, how aware you are of the world around you. And I think companies find confidence in people who are very aware of the customers and the world that they're trying to have presence in. So if a company wants to have a certain kind of presence in the world, and based on the questions that you're asking them, you can demonstrate that, hey, I have a pretty good understanding of the world you want to be a part of, or the kind of presence that you want, therefore the kind of actions you need to take and the behaviors that you need to embody consistently, that then gives them the kind of confidence to say, oh, we need that kind of thinking that thinking can lead to the actions. And if we can get those actions to turn into habits, then we have a consistent, a more consistent identity, thereby brand that people trust and therefore become loyal to and therefore keep buying from. Let's talk a little bit about how when, you, when you're choosing a persona, like let's say I'm choosing a persona for my own web design business, you know, that, you know, by nature leaves out other personas. And, and we, when we talk about this a lot in the web design world about niching down who you're actually selling your services to, and people have said in the past, the riches are in the niches, but there's, there's some fear in that because especially when you're first getting started, you, you've got to, you don't, you don't even really know who your persona is because you don't even really know who you are, you know, and what you do and what you do well. And you're kind of on this journey of learning and self-discovery with your own skills and, and all that kind of stuff. So how do you how do you come to that place of not being fearful of leaving out other people as you're going for that one specific person? I think you mentioned it when you said you're most of the early web designers or early creatives are doing work to really understand who they are, what they're even good at. I think the journey begins by actually being undeniably good at something. 
and getting to a place where you've gotten enough, it's not necessarily validation, maybe affirmation to say, no, hey man, you're actually good at this. And not necessarily that you've been looking for that, but just as you've been doing work. So one, keep working. You have to be working. You have to be putting that work out for people to see it. After you've gotten to a point to where people are looking at that work and going like, man, this is really good. This is really good. And that's coming from a broad sort of people. Now you've got some sense of who you are. And if not, maybe the entirety of like, this is who I am. Because if you're only 20, you don't, you just don't, you haven't lived enough life to know yet. But you've got some sense to say, I know to a fair degree who I am up to this point, but I have, I do have some confidence in regards to what I'm capable of. And based on what you can actually do, you're not going to be able to serve everybody. That's just impossible. So start there. Again, identity. What is it that I'm actually uniquely capable of? Clarify that. And then you'll say, okay, well, what kind of people would actually find value in my capacity to do this thing very well? And the very fact that you've done that work to clarify that, and again, that's not easy. Sometimes that that just takes time and reps of doing the thing that you want to be good at. But once you get there, then you've clarified to say, oh, I'm uniquely capable of doing this thing. That can only serve so many people, I'm going to go after them. When you say, I'm going to go after them, the persona is the persona is to then say, oh, let me think a little bit about these people who will find my unique capacity to do this thing valuable. And as I start to think about those individuals and their lives and the things that they value, then I'm aligning who I am with their values. And then it's a perfect match. You see what I'm saying? And then the hope is that they actually have the resources or the budget or the kind of need to pay you the kind of money that you want to make at this point in your life or career. So a niche then becomes really a combination of the your, your brand as a web designer, like who I am, what I do well, how how I want people to see me, and and then the persona, like who who you're going after, and and why you're going after them specifically. Am I am I summarizing that correctly? To a degree, yeah. I, I'm not sure what. I mean, obviously niche is, it, it talks about, I guess, a specific, you know, set of something. But yeah, that mean I mean, a niche can be really big. There's 7 billion people on the earth. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, it's the cross section. It's the area under the graph, you know, when the persona and your unique capacity meet. Yeah. Do you think that there are certain brand types that can reach certain personas better or worse? No, no, because again, a persona, I, I don't want to address a persona as an idea. Personas are actual people. The personas are the are the people you want to build relationships with. And the moment you start to move towards that relationship, that process of creating that relationship, that's marketing. So I, so there, it's not really a thing where certain brands can reach certain personas. It's just based on who I am, there are going to be certain people who vibe with me and certain people who don't. That's just nature. We all know that. We build relationships and we click with some people better than we click with others. That's that's all it is. The brand and marketing and the market and niches and all that stuff is the same thing. It's an individual or an entity creating a relationship with another individual or entity. And then that's the market. And so based on, again, how this business or how this company enters that room, they're going to be people that vibe with them and say, hey, I like the way this guy's dressed. I, I like his vibe. I like his energy. I like his style. I like his, you know, his cash, the, the casual nature. I love, I love that he wears sneakers. I love that, 
you know, whatever. I There's going to be people who vibe with it. And there are going to be others who are like, man, I don't, yeah, I just, I got a thing against hoodies. I, I don't know what, it, I just don't like it. You know, and I don't really like distressed jeans. I don't, you know, I wish they were just clean cut. I wish you wore boots and a belt and a button up. I prefer that. And that's okay. And those, and those perceptions come, become, become because of the worlds that these people have come up through and, and the worldview that they've developed. That's fine. I think it's the idea of being okay to say, hey, I need to understand who I am and to a better degree what I'm actually capable of and the value I can contribute to the world. I'm coming into the room with that. And the, and the people who see that, based on how I bring that into, how I walk into that room, the people who find value with that, those are the people that I want to create this relationship with that I hope grows into a community and into a bigger culture that actually makes the world better. The reason I ask that is because I think, you know, I've talked to a lot of web designers who question, like, do I have the, do I have the personality for this? Do I have the, you know, look, feel, whatever. And sometimes they almost invalidate themselves from from going for it before they even go for it, you know, and 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 I've seen personally, there are all types of web designers and UX designers. There's all types of marketers, and it, it you know it just you, you don't have to be like this this young you know hipster in order to like work as a UX designer at a startup company, you know, like I've seen people who are much older, who are much more buttoned up, who, you know, they, they do something really well and they speak to a specific company really well. And so, yeah, I I think that's, that's encouraging to hear, like, it doesn't really matter what your personality is. Like, it's all about how your personality relates and connects to the person or the group of individuals that, that you're going for. And the degree to which you want you seek to sort of broaden that through emotional intelligence. And so initially you're going to have this initial impression, but if you as a person are saying, oh, I'm, I'm not going to be quick to judge. I'm not going to be quick to speak on things that are different from me. I want to continue developing this very broad, open, observant awareness of the world and different cultures and how to speak to them. That way my, my skill starts to translate cross-culturally. And then you start to see that niches become riches, but then those riches become empires when you start to do that cross-cultural thing. That's where Apple and Nike and all of them have have crossed. I wonder, you know, we've gotten really into personas, which I think is fantastic. I wonder, for, for somebody who's just getting started as a web designer or UX designer, they're starting their business, they're starting their freelance agency or whatever, what, what kind of advice would you give to them in their early days? Again, I, I would do the work to clarify who they are, why do they exist? What are they uniquely good at? What is the problem you see in the market? Like what's the problem you're trying to solve? What's your mission in in trying to solve that? And then how do you wanna see the world change? That's essentially the framework that I take just about every company that I work with through. I don't ask them who they are, but I I probably start with the problem. Like, hey, what do you see in, what do you see in the world? Uh, Let me, let me backtrack that. I probably do start with who they are. There, there has to be some questions like, what, what is this? What, 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 are we, what are we calling this thing? And then you get into like, what is the problem you're seeing in the world? You need context. What's even moving you to want to become a freelancer? What, what's moving you to want to create this agency? What are you trying to change? Try to describe that. Frame that problem in a way that makes sense. Then from there, find a purpose in that. Why do you exist? Why, why do you want to exist in the market in this way? What's the big major goal that you're trying to achieve? And how do you want to see that goal like flesh itself out like 
like give yourself a really big vision. And then from there, get down and clarify, like, am I really good at something? What am I really good at? And how am I uniquely um, capable of doing that thing and contributing that to the world in order to see it, see the world change for the better or in the way that I would hope. James, thanks so much for being on the Self-Made Web Designer Podcast, man. Such great thoughts and insight. Really appreciate it. If people are trying to connect with you, where would they go? Typically, I would say go to my, they can go to my site, jameswobu.com. It's just my first name and my last name. That site is up, but it is going under construction very soon. So I'm going through, I'm retooling a whole lot of different things and I'll, I'll relaunch just about everything. But you can find me on Instagram at my name, James Wobu. You can go to the site, jameswobu.com just to see some work that's up there currently. It's a lot of photography stuff up there now, not a lot of consulting or video or any of the uh, recent stuff, but at least to get a sense of the kind of work that I've done in the past. That would be where to go. And so, yeah, just find me at James Ogle and all the things. That's that's where I'm at. Well, it doesn't take too long to understand why James is teaching college level classes on branding and marketing. Wow. He's got such great insight, such a unique perspective and ability to communicate what branding actually is, what user personas actually are, and how that can help you as a web designer. This really gets down to the foundation. Doing a project for a client is more than just them saying, we've got this need and you going to work. It's asking the right questions to find the right solutions. Maybe they don't need you. Maybe they need something else that requires a different set of expertise. All of that becomes unearthed. It gets revealed when you ask the right questions about brand and about user persona. So I know that this conversation was great. It helped me out a lot. I'm sure it has helped you out as well. Next week, we've got another great episode. They're fellow podcasters. They run a podcast called HTML, All the Things. They're from Canada, Matt and Mike. And I know that you're going to love this conversation. They're fun guys. It was a fun conversation. So if you want to wait up, if you want to make some popcorn next Monday night, late in the evening until Tuesday morning at 12 a.m. rolls around. I'm going to do it with you, okay? We'll do it together. We'll, we'll be in our PJs and we'll listen to it. It'll be a party. I can't wait for you to hear it. But until then, have a great week. And don't forget, if you don't quit, you win. <laughs>